0: Right, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the covering of your Holy Spirit. Father, let this message, even though brief, let it be piercing. For Father, we have already had a wonderful time with you. But now, Father, we just want that sharp, quick word that speaks into our very depths of our hearts. And Father, let it be something that releases us and changes us and allows us to see as you see. Be glorified, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you uh, a very brief word, if we can, and that's on that God is watching. Now, what is he processing? And uh, as this soaks into my spirit, I realize that if I just meditate on this and accept and receive this and keep this alive, in my heart, and my mind, that I will never think of God the same again or of God with me that way again. And that's my prayer for you. And our theme comes out of 2 Chronicles 6.19. And in that scripture, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And we'll finish it in a moment. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the the whole earth. A couple scriptures that I'd like to use as a foundation for us. Another one comes out of Psalms 94, verse 9. And it says, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? And he who formed the eye, does he not see? And another one says in Zechariah 4.10, For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad. When they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, these are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth. Isaiah said this, For thus says the Lord in Isaiah 18.4, The Lord has told me, I will look from my dwelling place quietly, like dazzling heat in the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of our harvest. We get some visuals from a combination of scriptures. One, we see the Lord just looking all over the earth, the eyes going to and fro. It's referred to as the seven eyes of the Lord in Zechariah and in Revelation. I don't know that it's really seven eyes or not, to be honest with you, because seven we understand is the fullness and perfection of God. So we understand that the Lord is not a man that he would need to have perfect eyesight as we do in the physical to be able to see. But what we do understand is that the eyes of the Lord are looking through the entire earth, but he's also looking for hearts that are loyal to him. And I want to focus with that a moment. Isaiah saw this and the way he described it, he said it's he could only he could only relate it to what his his visual environment was at the time. And Isaiah said it's, it's like dazzling heat in the sunshine. Have you seen dazzling heat in the sunshine? It's, you could see the vapors moving. You see it's as if there's something hanging in the air. There's a substance to the air even though it's invisible. And that's like the eyes of the Lord. There's a substance that's a dazzling heat that's everywhere. And then he goes further and he says it's like a cloud of dew in the heat of heaven. And so what he's saying in the heat of harvest, it's like that dew that comes in the morning to refresh the harvest, and you could see it all over everything, and it's bringing its life, and it's refreshing to the harvest. In Deuteronomy, Moses wrote that a land for which the Lord your God cares, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. Well, for those of you who want to have your patriotic bone tickled this morning, I think that might do it, because this, no matter what some people are trying to do to write God out of this country, it is still one nation under God and we're not letting go of it. And because of that, that word of god that says the the lord your god is always on it i believe the eyes of the lord are upon this nation i believe that the lord hears and sees everything that is going on and the good news about our lord god almighty is that he's not contained to audible words he searches the heart he knows the thoughts he's in the past the present and the future nobody's going to slip something by our God. Amen. And so we take solace in that. We take comfort in that. And we also shout victory in that no matter what people say, no matter what they do. I believe in our God Almighty's ability to get done according to his word. Now, our responsibility is to have a loyal heart. Back to 2 Chronicles 16:9. And in that part of the scripture, we're going through a very interesting move of God. We're talking about Asa, very interesting character in the Bible. He started out okay for a while. He even called upon the Lord before he got full of himself. And when he needed God and he called out to God, God destroyed a million-man army that was coming against that phase of Israel. Israel was separated at the time. And Israel had the north, and the king of the north actually was an enemy to Asa. But God moved against the enemies of Israel because Israel couldn't do it itself. But then something happened. Asa began to stray away in his heart from God. And instead of relying on the Lord, he began to rely upon himself and his own riches. But in the heat of that opportunity, when when God was moving, he, in one way or another, denied God. And he decided instead to rely upon the wealth of his treasury, which the Lord had given him, great riches. So he took some bribe money. And he went and he bribed the king of Syria. And he asked the king of Syria to go against his enemy, Bashar, the other king, and in that essence, to be mercenaries, and as mercenaries to fight the battle. Now, that seemed wise. It seemed smart. And in fact, it seemed like it was successful. And in that instance, Some of the people there politically, they acclaimed him and said how great he was, how wise he was, how smart he was, how they didn't have to lift a finger, how not one blood of that Israeli blood, not one drop was spilled. But in the truth of the matter was he despised God in that instance. And so there was a seer, and his name was Hanani, And Anani was a prophet, and he's a minor prophet. We don't hear of him much in the Scriptures, but he comes to him with a word from the Lord, and at first it sounds like a good word. He says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, if we stopped right there, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen strengthen those, then that would be a word that Asa could have received for himself. But there was a stipulation whose hearts are fully committed to him. And then Hanani tells the king, the king, you have done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. You see, we learn a lesson in this. And that lesson is that we like to say the battle is the Lord's, but then we want to fight the fight we get a mercenary attitude, and we try to figure out another way to get to the end result, just like Asa did. And we may not bribe with money our way to a place, but we might bribe it with a lot of other things, won't we? We bribe it in our own hearts. We bribe it in our own minds. We get to the point where we want to say, God, I know you're going to do this, but you know what? You know, God helps those who help themselves. And so we get out in front of God. And in this instance, Hanani was persecuted. Asa was upset. Put him in jail because he gave the wrong word. He gave the word of the Lord. Having a heart fully committed to the Lord. I want to just go over a few things with you. This was also before that, Second Chronicles 14:11, Lord it is nothing for you to help whether with many or with those who have no power, help us O Lord our God, for we rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are God, do not let man prevail against you. How did this man, a young king, denigrate from that point to the point where he had to rely on money from his treasury? Well, from my perspective, he was a bad Jew for spending the money in the first place. And on God's perspective, he squandered what God had given him for no good purpose. I mean, did they really expect the king of Syria to have mercy on the other Israelites? Wasn't it possible that God wanted to do it another way and still have mercy for the other half of the chosen? Isn't it possible that God's plan might have spared death? Isn't it possible that God might have united that kingdom instead of allowing the enemy to come in and cut it apart? A lot of things could have happened. But Asa fell from that place just a couple chapters back in the Bible, in Chronicles, to the place where he's having to rely on his own might and power And not even that, because he realized his army wasn't big enough. And I think they were a little fat with luxury. They'd been enjoying the good life for a while. And so they weren't ready. They weren't ready for the fight. And Syrians, they were happy to take their money and go bash King Basha. Now, we understand that material wealth can cause us to become fat and complacent. We just get to the point where we're not lean anymore, we're not hungry anymore, we're not thirsty anymore, and we're just doing the same old thing the same old way. And so many times we've heard it said, and I've said to you also, that familiarity breeds complacency. And that familiarity When it breeds complacency, it can even get worse. Well, how about being spiritually rich? How about being at the point where maybe we're sitting in the pew in the book of Revelation chapter 3, and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the churches of the seven angels, and He's telling them, you think that you're rich. You think that you have Such and such. You think that you have this, but I tell you, you are poor and naked. I think that that's a real word for the body of Christ today. I think that there are too many that have grasped the grace of God and have frustrated it and are frustrating it because they think they're spiritually fat. And they're at the place where they're trading off the riches of the grace of God. Listen to me now. Trading off the riches of the grace of God for their own gain. Christ did not spill His blood. He did not become our Savior so that we might frustrate the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. He did it so that we might have life and life more abundantly with a heart that's loyal to the Lord so that the eyes of the Lord that go to and fro throughout all the earth, there's one stipulation, they're seeking the heart that's loyal. That's the same word in the Hebrew that Paul used. When he was talking in the Pauline epistles about the process of perfecting, he said, I've not yet totally attained, I've not yet totally perfected, but I'm working at perfecting. And that word is shalom, S-H-A-L-E-M, and it's the same word here. And yes, it means loyal, but it also means complete. It means full, it means, yes, somewhat at peace, but it also means that we've come to the place where we're full in our spirit of our devotion to God. That's something we have to keep working at. That's why I think that the gospel writer had it right when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't mean that you do works to get saved. He meant that you do works to stay saved Now, some people don't like that word, once saved, always saved. Well, boo-hoo-hoo, I got news for you. You can trade off your salvation. There are many instances in history of people that knew God and fell. One of them was Asa. I don't know if we're going to see Asa in heaven or not. By the grace of God, it doesn't tell us what his last words were. But it did tell us that he died defying God. And when he got a disease in his feet, Interesting. The Word tells us he got a disease in his feet, and somehow that disease killed him. And even in the midst of that disease, he did not turn to God, the Word says. In the chronicles of the kings, he didn't turn to God. Instead, he turned to the herbists and those that could bring him the herbs and and, and say meditations over him and things. The disease attacked his feet because he wasn't in right standing. And he died in that path. There are so many that have gone the way, the stray away from God. Beloved, I was having a conversation with a, a man that I got to know better yesterday. We were blessed to be in Maryland at Bishop Harry Jackson and his new wife Rosalind's wedding. Something that he and I prayed about and that we cried about together for a couple years. And sitting at our table was a great man of God, Bishop Kyle Searcy. And so we were sharing, and he was asking me some questions, and I shared with him that one of the things we need to understand is that the body of Christ, the church, the real church, potentially isn't as big as we think it is. And that we do well to look as I've taught you and tell you over and over, and it's a clarion call for this era and time that we're in. In that church of Laodicea, one of the churches of the angels being spoken to in chapter 3 of Revelation, we get that classic nomenclature telling us and describing us what the church is like to the Lord. At some point, well, I believe this is that point. And it's telling us in a taste of temperatures. It says it's hot, lukewarm, and cold. And I looked at Brother Kyle, and I said, My brother, I believe that the vast majority of the body of Christ right now is at the lukewarm temperature. And he said, Oh, my God. And that means that God could spit them out of his mouth. I said, Yes. So the restoration and the reformation that we're crying out for the world, we should do well to judge first in the house of God. And the judgment has begun in the house of God, beloved. There are many, many, many large ministries and smaller ministries being shaken, purged. Things are happening. There's a cutting edge going through that which is. And people are being challenged. And that ossa spirit is being exposed, and that spirit that wants to hang on the fact that just because you receive Jesus Christ that you can't sin enough to fall away. Unfortunately, you can. Unfortunately, believers, those who get to the throne room of judgment, there at that judgment throne, are separated between the sheep and the goats. Believers, not unbelievers, not heathen, not Satanists, not cults, not false religions. Believers, sheep and goats. With this word, for those damned who said, I know you, I knew you, I did this, he did that. He said, go, I don't know you. And then he gives some reasons why. I believe we're at that point here in the earth right now. My heart is that, yes, we need a quaking, we need a shaking. There shall be a Hezekiah miracle moment. It's on the threshold. It's coming. If you didn't hear that, then get that tape. And I know many of you have been sharing it with others from last Sunday. I know that we're right on the cusp of it. I know that God's going to do something mighty, but my prayer is that when this happens, that the body of Christ doesn't lull to sleep again, doesn't become complacent, doesn't just let it go and, with a spectator consciousness, with the belief that there's a few that are pushing a few that are believing, a few that are striving, a few that are persevering and let them carry the heavy work and we'll just coast along and try to glide in to eternity. The body of Christ needs a real shaking. How much? How long? How hard? God knows. I believe that's coming. I believe that we're going to see it with our own eyes and hear it with our own ears. I believe that the eyes of the Lord are literally going to and fro throughout the earth. But I also see them as a magnet. Just as it said, 2 Chronicles sixteen nine. And this is what I want you to take solace in, both watching online and here. Get our hearts right with God. If our heart is right with God, then it's a magnet to God. And the seven eyes of the Lord, the Spirit of God, the eyes of the Lord that see everything from inside you and outside of you must be attracted like a magnet to you. Oh, I don't know about you, but, but when I say, Lord, I believe with all my heart that you've got my back, you've got my front, you've got my top, You've got my bottom. I see those eyes of the Lord all around me. And even when I stumble, He's grabbing me and holding me up. For the righteous man may stumble seven times, but the Lord picks him up every time. Because like a magnet, He comes to catch us. That's the eternal redemption that never grows dim. But it starts with this heart, a heart of shalom, S-H-A-L-E-M, shalom, a heart that's loyal and committed to the Lord. Just a few more quick things. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. The word run. Think about that. Could have been put any other way. The eyes of the Lord see throughout all the earth. The eyes of the Lord are watching. But no. What what He saw... In the Chronicles was that the eyes of the Lord run, run, it says. The eyes of the Lord range, that's the wrong word, for the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. I look at that, it's like an aggressive high-speed race. God is seeking after us. If our heart is right, he's racing after you. He's racing to stay before you. He's racing to stay alongside of you. He's racing to go back in your past. He's got it all enveloped at one time. And his spirit is running with his eyes. And it's processing. I asked you, God is watching. What is he processing? Here's what he's processing. How many of you know that we can foul up our present and certainly our future by judging it by our past? How many of you know as a believer who's had miracles of God you can get stuck in your past? How many of you know that you can dampen your faith and lose your joy and give in to fear because of something in the present that's happening because we're looking too much at the present and trying to figure out the future when we're qualifying it by the past. That's why God is in the past. He told Isaiah in 48, in the past, there I am. He's there. And he's telling you that, don't look at that. I'll fix that. That's history. He's walking with you in the present. He's running with us so that we don't have to measure the present now by the past. And if we do, then we have a tendency to restrict the move of God in our life. We sort of put a wet towel on the fire. And then with the future, we don't see with eyes of glory through the lens of the eyes of God. We see through our own lens And I don't know about you, but thank God I still have good eyes, but sometimes I have to open them wider to see a few things. This just started happening to me. I could still see, but I have to go like this. I don't know why that's going on, but I said, Lord, I'm not going to receive that. Whatever that is, it's got to go away. I want to see through the lens of God. Clear, crystal, sweet. I think... I think of the face of the Lord. I think of the smile of our Savior as He looks down. We say down, I don't know heaven where. We'll call it down. And He looks from the inside out and He looks from the outside in and what He sees is good. It's that same language, the Holy Spirit moved during creation with God the Father and God the Son in Genesis. Everything that he did he made the fishes, he said it is good when he looked upon them. He made the animals, he said it is good. He divided the light from the night, he said this is good And he looks at your life and he divides. He divides from the light, from the dark. And he says, this is good. This is good. Just as we worshipped the goodness of the Lord. Amen. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in a mighty strong way speaking and ministering to you and I and those watching with us in a way that words can't touch. The eyes of the Lord moving from our hearts. Sometimes we need a little bit of heart surgery. Sometimes we need to transform our hearts. Sometimes we need a transplant. But when the heart's set with God, God, God set with the heart, and He comes, and He clings, and He walks with you, and He talks with you, and He tells you. Hello. Right. Father, thank You, Lord. Thank You for a simple word, but oh Lord, what an intimate word. Father, if there be any residue of Asa in our hearts and our spirits, Lord, get rid of it. We rebuke that spirit out of our lives, out of our bloodlines, out of our families, out of our futures, out of our faith, out of our hope. Father, we want to resurge like his son Jehoshaphat did. We want to go back to relying upon You and standing in the fear of the Lord and believing, in, Lord, that Your eyes are upon us, upon our children, upon our children's children, upon our church, upon our nation, and even, Father, upon the four corners of this earth. Seeking out those with a heart as unto You, Lord, and protecting us as we commit our hearts to you. Be blessed, O Lord. Thank you for your word. Let it cling to us as we cling to you. Thank you for the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. And Father, thank you that we can see you and you can see us. Thank you for that vision. We bless you for that vision. In Jesus' name, amen.